happen. That's done on purpose. Remember that, people. The media don't work for us. They work for the big guys. They, they're supposed to gatekeep the big guys, but they work for the big guys. So now I find it extremely fascinating that this stuff is getting leaked right now. And when and when just to just to echo what you just said, because you said the media and a lot of the time people just use that blanket statement. Brett doesn't mean the writers that would write the story about the owners that doesn't get covered for 12 hours on ESPN. Brett's talking about the talking heads on TV that repeat the same one story all day. Because there are plenty of writers on ESPN, at Fox Sports, at CBS Sports, at Yahoo, everywhere that will submit the, even Fox News, that will submit these stories. And the suits at the top will say, yeah, we're not running that. Don't bother me, I'm working. 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 Don't work it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is a great day to discuss other people's excellence. I am the unforgettable one himself, Mr. Brett Carroll. Charles is always daydreaming. And we're two guys that like BS and at work. Uh, we had to take a bye week last week. All right. You know, it's a 17-week schedule. We also get tired. We had to take a bye week. We had some technical difficulties. We had That's some what help. it was. Yeah, technical difficulties. But everybody's fine. We're back. We're good. We're better than ever now because you know we got a new mic. Well, wasn't even health issues. It was a hundred percent the cord for the other mic just yeah. decided to break. So we're back. We're back. We took a bye week. We're good. But you know what? As always, we are still on brand. Yes. So with that what being said, it? it is week eight. We are have a lot of football to talk about. Trade deadline just passed 42 minutes ago as of the as of this recording. No major trades. I mean, Von Miller was a big deal, but uh, to, but to be honest, I think the Rams were going to the Super Bowl regardless. Now it's just inevitable if they're healthy. That's a um, nasty, nasty pass rush right there. Yeah, and we're, and we're going to talk about the Rams later for different reasons, so I'm not even going to get into that. To be honest, the bigger news of the last couple of days have been the injuries. Derrick Henry might be out for the season. Jameis Winston might be out for the season. Is uh, uh, ACL. Yeah, he's, well, he's definitely out for the season. What am I talking about? Yeah, he's out for the season. Derrick Henry, they're not quite sure, but they are pre- They think he's pretty much he's done for the it. season. I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say he's done. If they're saying if they're floating the idea he's not playing the rest of the season, he's a running back. He's not playing the rest of the season. Yeah, so he just had, he just had surgery on his foot. Um, I don't know if anybody knows. I know we don't play running back, but I'm pretty sure to run, you need your foot. So yeah, it's kind of important. Kind of important. So those are two big injuries. It's interesting. I heard somebody float out the idea that maybe the Saints should trade for should have traded for Teddy Bridgewater since he was successful there last year uh, or two years ago, I should say. Uh, I've, we heard Philip Rivers' name. Maybe That's what I was going to say. He's floating the idea of coming back and playing for the Saints as of this recording. Like, we, right. like this is a. Uh, Beginning of, of the week, days before the, uh, the Thursday night game. So by the time you're hearing this, the Saints might have made a move and Philip Rivers might be a Saint now, for all right. we know. Or you Obviously, are floating yeah. a different idea. Yeah, Cam Newton as another guy. To be very honest with you, Cam Newton to me is the least logical one, only because his skill set. 
Well, no, here's why I say here's why I think it's logical because they could use him the same way they use Taysom Hill, and Taysom Hill will probably be the quarterback going forward. You bring in the guy that Cam Newton has the same skill sets as a Taysom Hill, you might not have to adjust your offense that much. The question is, can Cam Newton, can a guy like Cam Newton or even a guy like Phillip Rivers come in and learn the playbook that fast in the middle of a season? They already had their bye week, I believe. So that's kind of a hard adjustment period. That's why a lot of people were saying Teddy Bridgewater, he's he's been there before. That's something that he would be able to do. Well, Phillip um, Rivers isn't like a rookie or nothing. I think just based off his talent alone, he could go in there and be better than the guys, the backups, I should say, that would be filling in for Jameis. I, I, and that's Phillip Rivers. Everyone knows if they listen to me that it's not like I'm the biggest Phillip uh, Rivers fan, but I will give the guy that much props is that if you get, if you got a hurt quarterback situation and he wants the quarterback for you, you're doing all right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not bad. Um, and then for Tennessee, they signed Adrian Peterson. Ooh. You know, I, you know, unfortunately he's not in his prime and he, you know, he should be retired. I heard, I heard, a, a, not a rumor, but an idea out there that they should have called the Giants and asked for Saquon Barkley. And when I heard that, I said, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Um, obviously, a much better situation for Saquon. The Giants still seem to be kind of rebuilding. If the Giants, if, if you yeah, were... But, but what's the trade? That's the, I'm not going to say it's not a good idea in theory, but at the same time, realistically speaking, what would the Titans be giving the Giants that they would feel it's it's the right price. And then the Giants would be like, oh yeah, we'll accept that. Because for the for the Giants, you have to figure they're going to want a decent return for someone they took number two overall still on the rookie deal. And you got to figure from the Titans perspective, he's been hurt. We're not giving you some uh, King's ransom here. So just take what you can get because we think this is a good price. If I'm a Titans fan, I, like I try to take out my bias and be a Titans fan, you're not giving up anything more than what, a third round pick? For, for him or something like that. Yeah, but I think that's a decent compensation, though. As a Giants fan, I don't know, man. Like, like because hypothetically, right, well, let me let me let me ask you this. Because also, as a, as a Titans fan, you got to realize too, this is really just for one year. Because you expect Derrick Henry to be back next year, he's probably going to be your future back, right? Um, and obviously, and, having, but as a Giants having, fan, you're like, if the plan works, that's pretty much a fourth round pick not a third round pick because we expect you if everything goes according to plan to be a contender in the AFC and have a late pick. Right. So no, that's, no, that's true. I guess, I guess if you're a Dave Gellman, what would it take for you to trade Saquon Barkley? Just hypothetical. Hypothetically, I think he would do it if it's a first round pick of any kind. Let me clarify. I'm not saying, I don't think you're getting a first round pick. Well, you know, there's been crazy trades that involve firsts in the past. I'm just throwing it out there. You asked what would definitely do it. A, a, any first round pick. Let me just say that it could be the the, the last pick of the first round. I think. Well, no, no. I, obviously, I I don't think there's a team. Maybe the Ravens would say if their running back situation was that bad, and they think they're Saquon Barkley away from winning the Super Bowl. Maybe they would say, all right, if that's if it takes a first round pick to do it. Maybe I don't see anybody trading a first round pick for a running back that's been hurt the last few. That's what I'm saying. I I, I wasn't even saying it like it's realistic because I don't think the trade itself is realistic because on the Titans end, you got you don't want to give up anybody. Right. And on the Giants side, okay, you're not going to give us a high pick. So which player are you going to include that kind of sweeten the deal for us getting rid of who's supposed to be a foundational piece of the team? 
Right, but he's also a guy you could probably lose in two years in, a, in another year or so. Oh, I, I'm, I get that part. I, and I'm not saying this is smart. I'm not saying this is the way to go. I, I just mean, I don't think it's a, a realistic dream. Sorry. Okay. So, Sasha's attacking me trying to climb up onto the camera because she heard me talking to Brett. So you're wondering why I'm all just turning around and everything. I'm, I'm waiting for the ninja to, to jump on top of me. So. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? Maybe, and maybe you're right. I, I, you know, it's an interesting scenario. Like I said, I didn't even think about it until somebody brought it up today. I said, Oh, that's, that's interesting to think about a trade that didn't happen. That I think we all agree should have happened is OBJ still is on Cleveland. His father's obviously fed up. The Browns seem to be fed up. I, I, for the life of me, I don't understand why the Browns won't just punt on OBJ. I really don't. And it's one of those things like, you know me, I love to hate on the Browns, but I've also given them a lot of props over the last couple of years about how well they've, they've been playing. Because, you know, if I'm going to clown you when you're playing bad, I'm going to give you props when you're playing well. To me, this is the type of things that the Browns do that are just stupid. Like, you're going to lose him for nothing very soon because I think it's the last year of guaranteed money. So you're going to lose him for basically nothing, right? Why wouldn't you trade him and get something back? Yes, I understand you're probably not going to get a, a, a treasure trove of compensation for him, but that's partly your fault. You're not throwing him to football. You're not proving that he's still the commodity that would warrant what you gave up to get him from New York. So at the end of the day, it's like at some point you got to take what you can get and if you have a – and by the way, free up some cash base. Like he, he, he's owed $8 million. There's still young players on that roster that they could definitely use that $8 million to try to pay. So I, for the life of me, I don't understand why they won't trade him. It's obvious him and Baker have zero chemistry. It's obvious he does not want to be there anymore. So his, to his credit, he hasn't said anything, and he's trying to do the right thing. There's other people speaking for him. Um. But to me, I, I this is these are the type of things to me that takes you, you know, the, as Browns fans, y'all want to take the next step, right? Y'all want to go from the seller to the attic. You want to be the class of the AFC. You want to be the class of, uh, in the NFL. You want to win the Super Bowl. It's certain petty things like this that's going to keep you from doing that. Baker Mayfield works better without Od- Odell Beckham Jr. You can trade him to another team and get – pretty good compensation it's not going to be great i understand it's not going to be great you're not going to get a first and a third or whatever you're not going to get that but you're there's no way you're telling me the packers weren't willing to throw something at you there's no way even if you had to trade them in conference because i because that was another thing i heard like they really wanted to trade him out of conference out of con- oh well if he's not that good why do you care if he's in conference or not is it because you know that you're underutilizing him yeah so if that's because wants to just use him, <laughs> I don't understand that. I think it's, it's because Baker and him have zero chemistry. The team wants to side with their quarterback, which they usually do. Any team, I mean, and trade him, which is fine. Trade him. I, I don't think they want to trade him because I think they feel like they gave up so much for him that they have to get something equal or better in return. Do you remember what the trade was between the Giants and the Browns? By any chance? No, no, go, no. Go ahead and fill us in. It was, you know, back in March of 2019. Feels like forever ago, don't it? 
the Cleveland Browns and Giants made the trade. The Giants got safety Jabril Peppers, who arguably has been the better trade, a better player since the trade, and two draft picks that became Dexter Lawrence and Oshamane Jimenez. I say Jimenez. I, I never pronounce X-Men's name right, but it's irrelevant because penalties and anger from yesterday. But anyway, sorry. Oh God. Bro, but, but what, offside. Sorry, no, I'm not. I'm not doing this right now. <laughs> you no, know what? What? What was the actual draft pitch? Were they were they first rounders or it was they... a fir- Dexter Lawrence was a first round, and, and uh, the other one was a third round. Okay, so they get so they got back a player, a first and a third, a, a player that arguably first round quality, right? So. Uh, like and that's how it was taken at the time. We, the that's draft, right. I think he was drafted. Jarrell Preppers, I'm pretty sure, was drafted in the first round. He was the first or second round uh, draft pick, yeah. yeah. But yeah. also, I remember at the time the Giants pretty much saying Jabil Preppers counts as a first round pick, right? So they 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 said that would be like getting two picks for Odell, which yada yada yada. But that was the trade, and he isn't moved. I think both me and you, as fans of the NFL, we're hoping that he would be moved. Uh, we're we're hoping that. We'd be coming on here and talking about wherever he landed, wherever that may have been. And if it wasn't the conference, you just got to get, you know, you start thinking, okay, so who would have, who was trying to trade for you? Was it the the Raiders, the Chiefs, um, and somebody in division, as, as crazy as that sounds. But, and, and to be fair, I, uh, well, from what I heard is what held this up a little bit was the fact that because of his $8 million guarantee, there, were, there was only a finite amount of teams that had the cap space to make a trade like that, right? Unless you were moving players. Um, but again, you cut that field in half even more, allegedly, if you're if you're already on the stance of we're not get, trading to him in conference, right? Um, and then so that leaves like a few teams. And then like I think the Eagles were one of those teams that would have financially been able to do it. But why would they do that right now? You know what I mean? Like that just doesn't make sense. So it, it's to me, the Browns to me have, were just being petty. They were they wanted like the perfect situation and it wasn't going to be the perfect situation. But you're not in a perfect situation now. You have a disgruntled wide receiver on the team and to his and honestly. The fact that his father is putting out video, 11 minute videos of him being wide open, not getting the football. The fact that you have LeBron James speaking out on his behalf. Yeah, Odell's not saying anything, but it's but the it's getting louder and louder and louder. It's only a matter of time before he does start talking. And it's mm-hmm. like, bro, like, why would you wait for it to get this bad when you could have just got rid of it, been done with it? Even if you get a mid round pick, that's better than nothing. I don't get it. As you say, the Browns are going to Brown and it seems like they can't get out of their own way. Sometimes they should have be util- They should be utilizing him more. I know Steelers fans really rip on Baker Mayfield and, and, and claim it's his fault. I know the, a lot more Browns fans feel like, Hey, he has more chemistry with Landry and it's not, you know, it's not on him to make one guy happier in an offense that for the most part has been working under Baker Mayfield, but not working to the to, to their full potential, I think, by anybody's standards, when you look at the talent they have on paper, and they seem to be completely run-reliant and unable to turn that, that, see, that pass game into something viable for Baker Mayfield. But see, but my thing is, you can still run the same system. You can still be run first. You can still work off play action. Again, 
there's an 11 minute video compilation of this man being wide open and not getting the football. So it's not even like, oh, he doesn't fit what they do. They're choosing just not to throw the ball in his direction. And that's incredibly ridiculous to me. I don't, I don't, I've never seen that before when you have a star wide receiver and the quarterback's just like, no, nah, I'm not throwing him the football. I don't think I've ever seen that before. You know what I mean? As much as, much as Big Ben and AB butted heads, Big Ben was smart enough to know that, hey, I might not like that mother effort, but you know what? If he's, even if he's not open, I'm throwing him the football. That's, you, cause you know, cause Baker Mayfield, that's usually how you get paid, bro. Let the wide receivers make you look better than what you are. That's you. That's usually how you get paid, my brother. If you throw him for 5,000 yards because he has like 1,500 of them, <laughs> I don't get it, man. I, I and, and okay, before we move on to other deals that didn't happen at this trade deadline that definitely should have happened. Um, Odell's curious, man. It's crazy to where he is now going into 2022 to where he was when he first got traded, um, to even where he was when he was a giant, and it seemed like this was the rumors around trade deadline for the Giants, right? Um, his career has not gone the way that all of us wanted it to go the haters are happy like oh we knew he was overrated in new york okay he criticized eli right so he's going to get a lot of shit for his people and like what you said the the perception that it's not his fault yada 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 it's the quarterback's fault the problem is this is the second time this is happening and the first time as 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 most people are going to argue now with the benefit of hindsight it wasn't eli's fault no one's going to blame Eli now after the fact when you go back and look at, at those Giants teams, how they were constructed, the offensive line, how good Eli is, how good Baker Mayfield is in 2021. No one's going to look and go, yeah, Eli was a problem and Odell was right. I was at the time I defended Odell. I was like, yeah, Eli could be better because watching every week, sometimes it was just like just throw it in his direction and he'll catch it. With that being said, that is not the reality for Odell either in 2021. Not saying he's getting the same amount of targets, not at all, but he has dropped passes. He hasn't, he's done that move where he's already looking to go before he actually catches it and ends up dropping it. And he's done that too many times. So if you already have no chemistry and I throw it to you three times and two of them are drops, you're mad I'm not throwing it to you three more times or I'm going to keep just doing what's what's been working for us. Now the Browns are what, four and four? So there obviously is room for improvement for a team that wants to win a Super Bowl. Not a, not your division, a but Super Bowl. That, but even that, I think that's facetious too. So like in the Steelers game, he threw it to him one time. And the one time he threw it to him was, you know, he overthrew him and he almost got his head knocked off. And some people are saying, well, Odell went up and tried to one-hand it when he should have went up with two hands. Yeah, but when I look at the play, I see as a guy like, yo, he tried to go up with one hand because that was the only chance in hell he had to catch it because it was overthrown. If he hit him in stride where he didn't have to jump for it, it probably would have been a touchdown if he could have split the two defenders. He overthrew him and he had to jump and try to catch it with one hand. And maybe you could argue he might have been able to get it with two hands and he shouldn't have tried to one hand it. But like, I mean, I think that's nitpicking at that point. Like, you throw it to a guy once, and it's between, you know, and it's a play that he easily could have got his head knocked off. Yeah. I'm not necessarily selling out for that, too. Especially no, and, I, and, I, and I understand. Especially when I know the trade deadlines in two days. You know, and I get, I get why in this day and age, a wide receiver like Odell Beckham would not be willing to put his neck out there 
to make a catch for a Baker Mayfield on the Browns right before the trade deadline. Now, like what you said, if they're going to be petty and, and they're not going to game plan with them, I just don't get it. Why didn't you trade them to the Jets? You're telling me the Jets did not have a deal, like some type of trade ready for Odell Beckham. I don't believe it. No, And, and I know Jet fans are not the biggest fans of Odell because of the you know, the, the cross hallway rivalry or whatever it is. But at the same time, you're not telling me the Jets fans wouldn't be happy to bring him in on this team that just needs some type of weapon on offense, any type of spark on offense, any type of person to go, we're in a tight spot to take some of the, say, take some of the pressure away and, and, and some of the attention away. So we might be able to open something up. There are teams in the AFC that would do that. There are teams in the NFC that would do that. And you're going to sit there and say, you, you want what you gave out for a third of the production that you paid for that makes no sense you just you like what you said to beat a dead horse they could have got something for him and they, and both teams could have benefited from it just from a you know a addition by subtraction type of thing but that wasn't even the, the worst the most egregious non-move of, of the trade deadline obviously if you're listening to us you already know deshaun watson isn't a dolphin and i don't know what the hell the texans are doing the texans didn't make a move so what the hell? Like all of a sudden, the Deshaun Watson thing, and I'm glad you brought that up. The Deshaun Watson thing is interesting because from what we're hearing, the Dolphins kind of backed out at the last minute, and they decided not to pull the trigger on it. And I, I can't blame them. At the end of the day, to me, it made no sense for any team to trade for Deshaun Watson right now. None, because at the end of the day, we don't know what's going to happen with him. We don't know. Uh, you know, you might be trading a whole a year's worth of assets because let's be real, Deshaun Watson as the player deserves multiple number ones, probably some thirds or some seconds or whatever, and maybe some players and you know on, on the way back. He deserves whatever the Texans want from him for him as a player, right? But because of the legal situation, you can't trade that for him. You might have him for half a season. What happens if he's found guilty in February and then turned and then they turn around and say, well, now that we found you guilty on the civil cause, we're going to go for the actual crime. Yeah. Right. Or, or what if the NFL says, Oh, because he's guilty, he's got to sit out a year. I mean, that's, that's too much to trade for a guy that you might. And that's, and that's if, even if the NFL just says, whoa, 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 he can't play this year. So you don't know what's going to happen. To me, it made no sense. I wouldn't be trading anything for a guy that I don't know is going to play. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I get it. I, I know a lot of people are upset that he's not traded because he's a superstar in this league and we want to see him play on Sundays. And it would have been cool to see that saga finally end at least for at least a part of it. But I don't blame any team for saying, you know what, until we know more, I cannot on good faith trade all these assets for this guy. I can't do it. That just doesn't make sense to me. All right. I'm going to read uh, an article from ESPN, Sarah Barshop uh, real quick, just to um, kind of give the whole view of, of what, where we're at now, because the trade deadline's over. He's obviously staying in Texas this season. Right. So the Dolphins did their due diligence on Watson and had conversations with the Texans, but Miami's owner, Stephen Ross, had contingencies that needed to be met for any deal and made the final decision to not move forward, a source told ESPN's Adam Schefter. Watson, who asked to be traded in January because he was unhappy with the process Houston used to hire general manager Nick Casario, has been a healthy uh, scratch all season for the Texans. 
Less than two months after Watson's trade request, the first of 23 lawsuits was filed against him. There are 22 active lawsuits with allegations of sexual assault or sexually inappropriate behavior during massage sessions against Watson. Ten women have filed complaints with Houston's police against Watson. His attorney, Rusty Hardin, told ESPN's John Barr in July, according to Hardin, eight of them are among the women who have filed suits against Watson who have not sued the quarterback. Watson's trade request came less than six months after the quarterback signed a four-year, $156 million extension with the Texans that keeps him under contract through the 2025 season. The deal made him the second-highest paid player in the NFL behind Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. As part of that contract, Watson has a no-trade clause, which gives him uh, which gives him some control over the possible trade destinations. After skipping the Texans' offseason workouts, Watson reported to training camp in July to avoid being fined $50,000 per day. Watson has been on the active roster all season and the Texans are paying him his $10.54 million salary for 2021. He goes to the facility but does not practice with the team. He has been ruled out with a non-injury related designation on the injury report each week. So there we are, everybody. That's the only information we have. But as a fan and not a lawyer and just a guy talking into a microphone to one of his friends, that is a bad sign for Deshaun Watson that Miami did not want to pull the trigger on this trade. It's a good sign for the Miami Dolphins. It's hell for the Texans if you're a fan of them. And for everybody else, it's it's a, it's a nasty situation, man, because there's plenty of people that don't want that on their team. Not the top 10 talent that Deshaun Watson obviously is. They don't want the dark cloud of 20 plus sexual misconduct allegations for any player on their team, let alone their superstar quarterback. So it's a messy situation all around to all of the clusterfuck that Brett described before. It is just something that no team wants to give up a future for when, you, when you're not even guaranteed a, the present with the player you're giving up the future for. So it's a messy situation. Me and Brett are just two fans and we're certainly – ain't got the connections in Miami or Houston to delve too deep into it. But I just felt like we can't not mention this because both me and him were ready as fans to talk about the, the, you know, the excitement that would go to Miami if he were to be traded and all the other moves that were hypothetically in the air to be made. The Panthers were another team that was rumored to be really heavily involved in this. And they basically said the same thing. And we'll get to the Panthers later. But, again, it, it just makes sense. If you're a team – and apparently the Panthers would have, would have had to give up Christian McCaffrey in the process, which, again, honestly, I think if you know Deshaun Watson would play, you do it. As great as Christian McCaffrey is, he is a running back. You can always get some, some type of person to replace his production. Hell, Deshaun Watson is going to replace his production in a lot of those ways. So, Yeah, but we got to – it's the elephant in the room is the, the allegations. Let's be real, because right. because right. so as, as, as a Panthers fan yourself, shout out to my boy, Brandon, he brought it up that he didn't want the trade to happen because he didn't want a guy like that on his team. He didn't want to cheer for that guy. Now, I didn't, we didn't get into it because over the weekend it was a party. And even though me and him could talk about these type of in-depth things, it's not the type of thing to talk about at, at a party, but with the, the implication being if he's playing, he's innocent. That's what we're all really thinking at the end of the day. And that's kind of what the conversation's based around. But in reality, from all the shit you've gotten as a Steelers fan for most of Big Ben's run, we know that is not the reality of fan perception everywhere. So with that being said, most of us, and I say us as in the fan community, see if he were to get traded, 
that's the good old boy network kind of signaling to the NFL fans that, all right, he's innocent. These are mostly bullshit allegations. The fact that he's not traded isn't some sign of good management by by the Texans, because Lord knows that ain't the case. It's a sign that there is some fire to this smoke and we're not going to be attached to it when it all burns or, down. Or, or at least some, uh, um, some still some insurities, right? You know what I mean? At the very least, they're not assured. Like you said, the, the Dolphins owner wanted certain uh, uh, conditions to be met, and the Texans seem to have said, nah, we're not, we not doing that. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, so who knows? If nothing else, they're, they're not sure. So, and they're not sure. I'm sure the contingencies were if he doesn't play, we it's the one turns into a two or something like that. Right. And right. and and they, the fact that they didn't want to do it tells you something. The fact that okay, if you if you want to defend Deshaun Watson, because we're both as far as the football player, we're both we're all fans of him, right? So you want to defend him. What I read before, the math breaks down. Okay, so there's 22 allegations, 20 there's paperwork to, eight are being represented by the same guy. So that leaves 12 kind of out in the air just with their paperwork filed. Just to put it out there, guys, as a regular-ass guy, one is too many. One. Two is too many. If there was two that only filed paperwork and weren't doing nothing, there's more of the devil's advocate game we could play here. Damn near a dozen credible accounts is fucking problematic. Like, no matter how we try to spill it, no matter how we try to spin it, no matter what you want to do, we're... Yeah, and this, and this story this story was just weird from the get-go. To me, as somebody who knows some professional athletes, the fact that he didn't have his own personal masseuse that comes to his house, like, to me, that, that was the first thing I said, like, you don't have a personal masseuse? Everybody I know got personal masseuse in that industry. Like, why do you not have a personal masseuse? You, like you said, you're now the second highest paid player in the league it's not like you were making chump change before that you were you were still a first round pick so i don't understand why that's the case but again i'm 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 the type of person i let the legal system play itself out i don't ever presume innocent or guilt until the legal system plays itself out because you never know i know a lot of people that get accused of things that they didn't do so i don't i but at the same time, I understand why if I was a team, if I was the Steelers or the Panthers, I wouldn't have made any type of trade for this dude unless it was con- totally conditional. And my conditions were to be, yeah, if this dude found guilty, he don't play, I ain't giving you shit. <laughs> like, that would have been my conditions. So <laughs> that that's that, so that's where we are with that. But let's talk about what happened on the field and what's going on with, with teams that are actually playing and players that are actually playing. Okay, I have I, I want to start off some while you get, you're gonna start off, but I want to toss it to you because I've been waiting. Last week we had some technical difficulties, and you promised me a Sam Darnold rant. And <laughs> be, be, and to be completely honest, he never went into it more than that. He just kind of left me with a cliffhanger of he's really mad at Sam Darnold. Now, I could have been funny and, and just started off here saying how much he loves Sam Darnold. He, he thinks he's the future of Carolina and all this other shit. But anybody listening to me would be like, oh, that's a lie. <laughs> so what is what what did you see two weeks ago that pissed you off that much? And how, how did it manifest a week later? And last week, even though they won, I'm not as mad about it as I was last week. So, unfortunately, the rant is not going to be as, as great as it would have been that week. Um, but here's the issue. 
Sam Darnold, I'm just I'm just keep it plain and simple. Sam Darnold doesn't realize his career is on the line here. His career is on the line. He has not been playing well at all. And here's the thing. I can make some excuses for him, and I'll start off with the excuses. One, the offensive line is not good, especially the interior of that offensive line. It is obviously the biggest issue on this team besides quarterback. Um, and as any quarterback will tell you, you know, we all talk about the tackles and protecting your blind spot and everything else, but any quarterback will tell you they do not like pressure up the middle. They do not like pressure when they can't step up and make their throws, when they can't step up in the pocket, where they can't slide around the pocket. The interior of their line, the center and the two guards are not good right now. Mm. And pressure is in his face a lot. That's an issue. Second issue, there are a lot of drops. Matter of fact, the Panthers have the most drops in the NFL right now. That's a problem. That's a problem. You've got to help your quarterback out, too. You're, you're getting paid millions of dollars to catch the football. You need to catch the football. And this isn't a wide receiver crew that's bad. Like I said, I, I've, I've said this. I think DJ Moore is the best wide receiver in the, in the NFL that we don't talk about, right? We always talk about the Devontae Adams and the DeAndre Hopkins of the world. I think DJ Hopkins is – I mean, I think DJ Moore is the best receiver we don't talk about. I think he's that good. Robbie Anson's not not a scrub. They have a good receiving core. A lot of drops. A lot of drops. That's two, that's two. And three, Joe Brady, who's supposed to be, you know, the newest hotshot coordinator that's going to be a head coach one day. He's the, you know, he's the new McVay. He came from the Sean Payton system. He was at LSU with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, and they had the greatest offense of all time statistically, and they were blowing people out of the water. He hasn't done a great job either especially against your Giants, a lot of people pointing out his flaws in terms of play calling, running man beaters against zone, which made no sense, and then vice versa, running running zone beaters against man that weren't working out. So he hasn't been on his game in terms of his play calling and, and diagnosing as well. Those are the excuses. Here's the problem. Sam Darnold, it's not like you have been faultless either, brother. There's been good plays that's been called that you are not seeing the field the right way. You're not going to where the play is going against your giants. Again, he did run good zone beaters. Sam Darnold's looking the wrong way The you know, for a fact, the, the guy that's going to be open is on the other side on the crosser. You're sitting there going to the flat when there's three people there. There's, there's no way you were going to get a ball in there, right? That's not going to work. So you're not seeing it clearly. Your accuracy has been bad. His mechanics are shot. Sometimes, and you know how much I hate quarterbacks with bad mechanics. Does my love hate relationship with Cam Newton? Sam Darnold has a lot of those same things where he's got the arm talent, and a lot of times he trusts his arm too much that he's not that his feet aren't set or his shoulders aren't square or he's doing little things that makes him inaccurate, which leads to the drop problem. Okay, yeah, there's been a lot of drops. Some of those are on you, Sam Darnold. Some of those are because you're, you're throwing bad balls. And yeah, we can. I know the old the old saying, if you hit your hands, you should catch it. But if a guy's running full speed one way, he has to stop on a dime and try to catch something back, you're going to drop some footballs. I would say 50, um, maybe I'll say 60 40, because DJ Moore dropped a surefire touchdown that wasn't Sam Darnold's fault. That was a pretty good ball. He just dropped it, right? So I'll say 60 40, 60 of it is receivers dropping passes chuba hubbard the running back he, he had a major drop problem you know if they don't hit him in the numbers he ain't catching it um so 60 percent is the receivers dropping the ball but the other 40 percent is probably bad balls by sam darnold 
And he's just not making good decisions. Like I said, throwing it where it doesn't need to be thrown, trying to force plays still, just not doing the right thing. There's things that he can be doing, especially with the offensive line. You have check downs, throw it to your check down. Why are you holding the ball when you know your offensive line is not that great? When, when you do get protection, you got to be accurate with the football. So, yes, there are still excuses for why this offense isn't that good. But Sam Darnold, you are also part of the problem. And here's another and here's my biggest issue. At some point, Sam Darnold, we don't care about the excuses, man. That's life. That's just that's not, that's not just a football thing. That's life. We pay you big bucks because you're supposed to mask some of those issues. They know they have to fix the offensive line. They will fix it in the offseason. Right now, it is what it, what it is. They know there's some drops. They understand that. It is what it is. We know our offense coordinator isn't always calling the best play. But if you were a better quarterback, you should be able to audible out, out of those plays. You're not playing to the best of your ability, and that's hindering the rest of the team. And no team is going to pick you up after this if you don't fix this. Why? Because no team is perfect. There's not a team out there that has a great line and great receivers and a great offense coordinator that doesn't already have a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like we see even with Patrick Mahomes right now, he's struggling a little bit and we'll get into that later, but Sam Darnold, you have to rise above some of these things. It's not like you're on a terrible team. Your offensive line is bad. Is it the worst offensive line league? No, it's not the best, but it's not the worst. Your receivers, are they dropping balls? Yes, but they're still a pretty good receiving core. There's still a handful of teams that would probably be like, yo, give me that receiving core, okay? Um, Joe Brady, is he making some bad decisions? Yes, but every coaching staff makes bad decisions. You should hear my dad on Sundays. Apparently, nobody in the Steelers coaching staff knows what the hell they're doing, even though they've never had a losing season. But let him tell it. They're all idiots that need to be fired. And, and every fan base says that about their coaching staff, okay? Unfortunately, not everybody's going to get it right every single point, every single time. And for Sam Darnold, he's got to realize, at some point, we're going to look at you, bro. What are you doing? Because it's not like you're playing perfect and everybody else around you is screwing up. You got you to gotta do better. With the Jets, we understood, like, yo, you're not playing well, but God, good Lord, it's not you got much to work with. you got something to work with now. Mm-hmm. You, which, what you are on now is basically every team in the NFL. So if I'm a GM, if I'm an owner, if I'm a head coach, why would I say, let me take that guy? Because why do I have to be perfect for you to play at a great level? That's not the case. You're supposed to play at a great level all the time, and it's our job to make sure the, the surrounding pieces are good enough. If you have to be, if we have to be perfect in order for you to be perfect, I don't want you. I'll find somebody else that can do the job that you can. And, and like I said, this is not just an NFL thing. That's a life thing. I got plenty of friends who always complain about their job, always complain about their relationship, always complain about all this other stuff. I said, bro, that's life, dude. It's not going to be perfect. What are you doing to help mitigate the situation? Nothing? Well, then you're part of the problem, brother. Well, you, you, said, you, said, you said the Jets, right? And I got to bring this up as a segue because you said a lot there and I'm going to leave it with you because Panthers <laughs> and, and I know Panthers fans, I'm not going to defend a damn side right now because y'all just bad. So you said the Jets and it's interesting because obviously Darnold came from the Jets, yada, yada, yada. And this past weekend, Mike White made his NFL debut replacing Sam Darnold's jet replacement, the number two overall pick, Zach Wilson. And Mike White passed for three touchdowns and 405 yards, the Jets' first 400-yard passing day since the year 2000. 
and the most by a first-time starter since Cam Newton's 422 yards for the Panthers in 2011. So I watched that game. I wanted to see the Bengals. I wasn't disappointed. And the Jets, to their credit, looked good under the <laughs> like first I'm like, oh wow, the, the Bengals really didn't show up. And then the Jets run that uh that play where they hand it off and have the uh running back or the or Crowder throw the touchdown to, to Mike White, the 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 what, what's it uh New York special, yeah. No, not the New York special. Was it uh the same thing as the Philly Philly or whatever? Yeah, the Philly special, the New York special. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sitting there just like, wait. What the fuck is going on? What game am I watching? Who's Mike White? Why am I cheering for the Jets? I had a bunch of I had a bunch of questions, at, at, you know, between one and four in the afternoon on Sunday, and one of them, in all sincerity, I, I couldn't wait to, to do this week for this random in the moment question. But is there a quarterback competition in New York, at least for the foreseeable future, the, the next couple of weeks? Because the team looked better with Mike White. No. And, and and since your rookies hurt, just hear me no. out, hear me out. When rookies get hurt, and in the past, even if you if the the uh, the backup was like a McG- uh, McCown or, or a McCoy or somebody that was just a veteran that could be, you know, a placeholder while the rookie heals up, that wasn't crazy, especially on bad teams. Why get your young quarterback killed? So why is it different now? You just have two young guys. And if this dude is, is, is legit going to start winning games for the Jets, which is just what the Jets want to do is win games, why wouldn't there be, in all earnesty, a quarterback competition? Because the, the value of Zach Wilson has not been degraded yet. You could still flip him and get a good haul because he's still the number two overall pick from the 2021 draft. He, he is not you know uh, destroyed or weared. You're not going to get a terrible return for him even if he doesn't suit up. Because Mike White, no offense to him, caught a Bengals team that's coming off the great, probably the best win in franchise history over the last, at least over the last five years. Going into Baltimore, beating Baltimore like that, this was a trap game. It was a letdown game. You're at the Jets, you know, the one in five Jets with, with their, you know, second string quarterback in, um, you know what I mean? Like that, this was a letdown game, and they and they got let down. And by the way, and by the way, we're in the overtime, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. So or, or close to it. Actually, no, oh, they won't regulation. They won't regulation. I'm sorry, but um, the yeah, the, the Colts Colts Titans was overtime, right? Right. They it was a close game. The Jets kind of came back because the Bengals were kind of winning. So I'm not overreacting to that game either way because those are the type of things that happen, especially with a young team like the Bengals. That happens. It's, a, it's called a trap game. Ryan Clark used to talk about all the time, the week before and the week after Ravens week is always the worst weeks because you already know how you're not – you're emotionally – you're on a, uh, either a high or a low, and physically you're either high or low because of, after Ravens week. So I'm not – going to sit now again if Mike White comes out and wins the next two games okay maybe but I gotta see that first and and plus once teams get tape on Mike White something tells me he ain't gonna be the whole 400 yards anymore. so so you're saying it wasn't rigged and it wasn't because Vegas would lose all that money 
and all those salty takes you saw from everybody that bet the Bengals on their parlays and lost that last week. You're saying it's not rigged. I didn't even know about that. No, I'm not, no, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying. Although, now that I think about it, that call was really controversial. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Real time, Brett went, I do like a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> I do like a good conspiracy theory. Ooh. But no, it's no, I'm, I'm not going to say that. But just to wrap it up on Sam Darn, like I said, he, he's playing for his career. If he doesn't, if he does not figure this out by the end of the year, his career is over. I don't see any team ever. Well, bold prediction there. No, well, all right. When I say career is over as a starting quarterback, yeah, he might get a backup job somewhere. But <clears throat> as a starting quarterback, I don't see any team taking a flyer on him. Why? Because, like I said, if I'm well, he's team, the Panthers' quarterback for, for for at least next year too. <laughs> I mean, again, the Panthers. We're talking about Deshaun Watson in the off season. If let's say he gets off and he could play next year. The Panthers are going to be one of the first teams on the phone. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll see about that. There was another or even, thing. Or even just in the draft. What I'm saying is Sam Darnold is, is playing for his starting career. Because okay. like I said, no team in their right mind is going to say, oh, yeah, let's take a flyer on Sam Darnold. We have a better situation than the Panthers do. No, you don't. You know what I mean? Like, and no and uh, today, as of, at the recording, for other on, more on the field affecting news, uh, Henry Ruggs was in an accident, DUI, fatal car crash, and that'll be developing more as the weeks go on. So my, so I, I don't want to tarp too much on that. I just feel weird not mentioning it because somebody did die and somebody lost somebody today. So it sucks for Henry Ruggs in his career, but it sucks more for whoever lost their life and their family. Um, but because I wanted to go out West – for anybody out there, please do not drink and drive. Like that makes no no sense. Like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and act like I was an angel at 22 years old. But but you know what wasn't as popular at 20 when I was 22 10 years ago? Uber, Lyft, right. And and also, if you're a professional athlete, hire a driver, please. I again, it's one of those things. Every professional athlete I know has a driver. I don't understand why people don't do that. Go out, have a good, it was on his bye week. He did nothing wrong. Go out, have a good time. Make sure you can get home safe. It's just that simple. Make sure, yeah, make sure everyone gets home safe. Yeah. But like, in, in, driver, in, in other news, right? Because we got me missed last week. So I want to catch y'all up again. And I'm going to read from um, ESPN. It is a Seth Wickersham story. And this is uh, about Stan Kroenke and the LA Rams. And Stan Kroenke, you know. Well, let me do some background on that before you. Before you, oh, I have I have the older article up. If you want me to read it. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I'm just going to read it from the lead on, so we can all be on the same page. L.A. Rams owner Stan Kroenke might be trying to back away from his promise to cover tens of millions of dollars in legal expenses related to his team's 2016 departure from St. Louis, a revelation that angered many owners when they learned of it Tuesday. Sources told ESPN, and that's a week ago today. A legal update from the NFL General General Counsel Jeff Pash during the owner's first in-person meeting since December 2019 stunned many in the room, according to accounts from people who were there and others briefed on proceedings. The league, through a spokesperson, declined comment about five, six days ago, and a Rams spokesperson also declined comment. The Rams and other owners are embroiled in a fierce four-year lawsuit from the St. Louis Regional Convention and Sports Complex Authority, which argues that the league broke its own 
its own relocation guidelines, misled the public on its plans to leave the city and cost the city millions in revenue. The league has lost many of its motions and was denied a hearing in the U.S. Supreme Court. The case has entangled all 32 teams and cost millions in legal fees, which to this point have been mostly covered by Kroenke under an indemnification agreement. He signed as part of the relocation. For some teams, the bills have run to eight figures. Although Kroenke has been in discussions with the league for some time over the scope of the indemnification agreement, of owners first learned of a shift in his position several hours into Tuesday's meeting at the Intercontinental New York Barclay Hotel. Sources told ESPN that the executives for each team were asked to leave the room. Only owners, representatives for that team, didn't send owners and senior league executives remained. Pass delivered a lengthy update on the lawsuit, including the league's latest argument that the trial set for January should be moved out of St. Louis and in order to get an impartial jury. And we have an update after this story. Sources told ESPN that Kroenke then stood and told the room that he has invested in the league and done everything that the league has asked him to do. He has apologized for the ongoing lawsuit, but argued that it wasn't his fault. Kroenke took a few questions from the room. Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, known for not shutting the fuck up, a fierce Kroenke advocate who championed the relocation and helped push it over the finish line during a contentious vote in January 2016, told the room that Kroenke had done a lot for the league. Then in an unusual move, Goodell asked Kroenke to leave the room. Sources told ESPN he did. That's when Pash told the room that the league was notified by Kroenke's attorneys that Kroenke is challenging the indemnification agreement that all three teams involved in the LA Derby in 2016, the Rams, Chargers, and Raiders signed on the morning of the vote. Over the years, teams have been required to provide eight years of phone records, emails for discovery. This past this past summer, St. Louis Circuit Judge Christopher McGraw ordered Kroenke and five other owners to provide financial records to help a jury determine potential damages. Earlier in October, McGraw and McGraw, uh, McGraw fined Clark Hunt of the Kansas City Chiefs, John Mara of the New York Giants, Robert Kraft of the New England Patriots, and Cal and the Cowboys Jones for failing to provide full records. Kroenke has been footing almost all the bills. Sources said the room seems stunned by the well, by Pash's update. On let me, let me new, what? What'd you say? Yeah, let me let me let me let me cut you off there real quick. Um just for people that don't, when I said the background, I was talking about before, even before all this happened. So here, here's where we are. You basically had most of it, right? Here's the situation. Kroenke had, Kroenke is one of the, if not the wealthiest owner in the NFL, which I didn't know that, but it makes sense, I guess. Uh, uh, he's part, he, of, the Wal- he's part of the Walton family that owns Walmart, and I believe he also owns uh, Arsenal Football Club over in London. Right, right. Kroenke had a deal with St. Louis. He basically backed out of the deal in St. Louis to want to go to L.A. For those who don't know, this created like civil freaking war between the owners of the NFL. Uh, It was a whole deal because the Raiders were involved. The Cowboys were involved. Obviously, the Chargers were involved. It was a whole big thing. And it became a a civil war between the fossils, you know, the people that are going to die any second now, and just the old people. You know, not I wouldn't say young and new owners because there is no young owners in the NFL. They're all old farts. But basically, the fossils and the just old as hell crew, right? Uh, and really, the big money owners versus the small family-owned t- uh, teams, right? 
and part of that was because they knew that this lawsuit was going to happen of him leaving. He promised the people in his camp, the Jerry Joneses of the world, Al Davises of the world, the Spanoses of the world. Hey, I'm flip the bill. Don't worry about it. I'm, I got it. I'll take care of it if we have to settle any lawsuit. Now that the move has been made, everybody's making money. Jerry Jones has a hotel company that is right close to SoFi Stadium that has made millions of dollars with this move. The NFL office, West Coast office is at SoFi Stadium. Everybody has made boatloads of money on this move. And so Cranky's sitting there saying, wait a minute, why do I got to foot the bill if we're all making money off of this move? Well, well, in the story, hold on real quick. Let me finish because the owner's... The, the, the source of this ESPN story obviously has some good sources because after the room was updated with Crocky's view of this, of the agreement, right? Jones spoke and reminded his colleagues that Crocky has been a good partner engineering the league's return to Los Angeles after 22 years away and building a stadium that some involved in its construction refer to as quote, our $6 billion stadium, end quote. So Kraft, who sources said seemed to speak for many in the room that Cranky's position was unfair. He mentioned that all the legal hassle he had gone through in 2016, he had deserved, he had served on a six person LA committee. He argued that if providing financial records as a result of lawsuits would be a consequence of serving on league committees, it would dissuade other owners from wanting to be on committees and making consequential decisions for the league. Raiders owner Mark Davis reminded the room that in 2016, the L.A. committee recommended a rival Raiders Chargers stadium project in Carson, California, by a 5-1 vote over Cronkies project in Inglewood. Mm-hmm. Mara spoke and said that Cronkies challenge uh, change in position was ridiculous and that if Cronky had not agreed to indemnify the league, the owners wouldn't have voted for him to move. He would. He said anyone who was in the room in Houston when the vote was taken would know that. So, so to, to what you're saying, it doesn't even seem like that that's the case, that everybody kind of had the idea that he was going to flip the bill. And now since everybody's making money, he's, he's just backing out of it, kind of like, oh, this is our problem, when apparently the actual agreement upon the move was you should pay for it. Which he signed, which and you read and you said that in the article he yeah. signed, and that's and that's a big deal. Oh, and, and um, big... there's there, oh let, let me uh, Jim Ursay said the owner should call Cronky back into the room to answer questions from membership. Jones argued that Cronky shouldn't do so without an attorney, and Art Rooney, Pittsburgh Steelers, said the lawyer should handle all these issues. And Mara reiterate then reiterate, of course, Rooney and Mara keep have each other's backs that nobody in the room would have voted for Cronky to move if not for the full in, in indemnification. So I find right. it interesting that Rooney said publicly, at least according to these sources, which obviously was somebody in the room that, you know, let the lawyers handle all this stuff. And I, and it, it says a lot that Jones is so defensive and that Mara is pissed. So but that, but that's, but that's why I was saying the civil war you had. The, oh yeah. The, I'm just letting you, I, I, was, I, I just wanted to that's say the names. The, we have the names. Family owned, the family owned mom and pop uh, owners were on one side and the big money, you know, business acumen dudes were all were obviously on another side. And it was a huge thing. And I remember last year when the bubble came up. Oh, wait, real quick, just the fuck that I said before. Today, it broke that Cronky uh, and the NFL, um, the Missouri Court of Appeals denied the NFL and Cronky's emergency petition to move the impending trial out of St. Louis. So, 
Okay. <laughs> that, I think that, that, that's a huge L on this front. Right. And so, and, that, and I, that's why I wanted to get to when the bubble happened, all these reports were coming out and I got pissed. And I said, see, this is how the media is always on the owner's side because the players can never figure anything out without it getting leaked. I said, Meanwhile, we had a whole civil war going on with the owners, and we didn't know about it till after the fact, right? Which tells me people knew about it during, but they didn't say anything. They waited because there was a long, beautiful piece on ESPN, and I read it in full length, and it was one of the most interesting stories I had ever read because it showed all of this stuff, the, the intertwinings of how the league works and what this person was supposed to do and that person. Again, the Raiders, the, the Chargers, the Rams, how they were all involved, the Cowboys. And I said to myself, wow, why is it when the owners do something, we don't find out about it until after the fact. But every time the players try to do something, it gets leaked in the middle of it. So talks just get destroyed before any momentum can happen. That's done on purpose. Remember that, people. The media don't work for us. They work for the big guys. They, they're supposed to gatekeep the big guys, but they work for the big guys. So now I find it extremely fascinating that this stuff is getting leaked right now. And when and when just to just to echo what you just said, because you said the media and a lot of the time people just use that blanket statement. Brett doesn't mean the writers that would write the story about the owners that doesn't get covered for 12 hours on ESPN. Brett's talking about the talking heads on TV that repeat the same one story all day. Because there are plenty of writers on ESPN, at Fox Sports, at CBS Sports, at Yahoo, everywhere that will submit the, even Fox News, that will submit these stories. And the suits at the top will say, yeah, we're not running that. Period. So even even at the, whatever your most crooked news outlet is, there is a writer there doing their job. And some suit is saying, that's a great job you did. That story will never see the light of day. Right. And, and, and that is true when it comes to Fox News and CNN. That is true when it comes to ESPN and Fox Sports. So just for everyone out there, when he says the media, he means, for lack of a better example, the first takes of the world, the part of the interruptions of the world, the whatever ripoff shows on Fox Sports that of the two I just said. So that's what that is. And it's the truth. It's it's a sad reality that me and Brett could bust our asses about a, a the owners and, and uncover some shady shit and it could get buried until the last second until it can't get buried anymore but if we're working on something with players and the players union that would benefit the working class of whatever situation you're talking about that shit will leak before your story is even getting done being written so right. and, and and you know and again, we were there. We were there when we had when they had the players had that talk about the bubble, and we literally went to quick check down the street, and somehow, some way, five stories had already. No, it been- was before that. It wasn't even before we left. I remember when the when the call ended. So there's a there's a players union call, and it just so happens that me and Brett are the only two other people in the house, besides the player that was on the call and the call. I'm a journalist. Usually I record meetings. Nothing was recorded, right? I just had, I was, I got to be a fly on the wall for one of these things. The second that shit wrapped, I mean, close laptop, get up, walk to the kitchen to pour a glass of water. And that's not even, you know, hyperbolic. And I got a notification from per shams or, or, or whoever woes about what was said at that meeting. 
Now, not only was that person in on the meeting also, but they were leaking that shit in real time. So by the time everyone hit end on said meeting, it was a notification on my phone. Right. And this, so that- shit, this system is not built for the benefit of the players and fans. It is and, built and, for the like you said, the working class. Whether whether the working class is players, whether the working class is me and you, because again, if it was a union issue at our jobs, it would probably be the same thing, right? The owners are doing all this stuff, but we don't. Find oh, out oh it's not a mistake. There's no uh, journalist unions. There's, that's not that's not by that's by design. There's no such thing as a union in our profession, right? Well, I'm just talking about any job, right? That's that's what I'm saying. If you're if you're doing something with the union. The stuff's gonna get leaked for y'all side way before it gets leaked on the owner's side. That's just that's just how it works. Um, so I do find it fascinating that now here we are, and all this stuff about Cronky is getting leaked while they're in litigation. You know what I mean? Like this is you know, this is to me, this is the most fascinating story in the NFL right now. And the reason why it's not getting covered as much is because they don't want you to talk about it. And I don't blame them for wanting us to not talk about it. they're in litigation. All this stuff is hurting their stuff, and like you already mentioned the nfl is getting their ass kicked in this litigation so far and now this stuff is coming out and it's public knowledge that that the city of st louis can now use for for their side of the story and what i think is incredibly awesome about this and where my mind goes is one the corruption in business and two I think St. Louis is going to get a team out of this. And the reason why I think that is because it's also been reported that the settlement numbers, some say have been in the billions. Others are saying, no, it's not in the billions, but it's more than some of the net worth of some of these other uh, owners, which is why Cronky is saying, wait a minute, I ain't about to flip this bill. Wait a minute. <laughs> really, you know, I, I thought it was going to be a couple million, you know, wash my hands with it. If we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, close to a billion dollars worth of a settlement, I'm not flipping that by ourselves. There's 32 of us. We could all, we could all take a little chunk out. And that's what these owners are saying. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You agreed that you would pay this. That was literally a contingency on us voting for you to make this move. Now that the bill is getting a lot higher than you thought it was, now all of a sudden it's a we problem, not a you problem. You the one that wanted to move. We didn't want you to move. You wanted to move. <laughs> and and, and little, to use a little verbiage of my profession, um, a lot of times in municipalities when something's approved by a planning zoning board or whatever, it's called a conditional approval, which means right. if it, uh, the, the applicant agrees that if we vote in the affirmative for you, that you will do these conditions because that's how you got the yes vote. Pretty much Cronky was like, yeah, I agree that I'll pay this as a conditional uh, as a condition of my uh, uh, approval. He got approved. And since his plan worked like the like approvals are based off of you make the argument this will be beneficial to the town this will be beneficial to the entire community so Kroenke did that he said it'd be beneficial to the league to have the Rams in LA and it is but a condition of them moving to the, then then was the, for you to pay your bills and now he's pretty much arguing that since it was what he says it was he doesn't have to do what he said he would do which right. mind you just for everyone listening to, to my voice right now happens on a local level regularly. So, so, so if you don't like this in your football, just go to, go to your town hall and, and make sure that's not happening in your planning and zoning boards either, because companies do this shit all the time. And, and vice versa. Towns do matter of fact, 
you know, we, me and you talk about all the time because I used to do what you did back up in Bergen County. One of the towns that I covered, uh, they had a redevelopment plan, a redeveloper, they agreed to all the, that was years ago. That was five years ago. Nothing has ever been built and they're suing the town because they feel like they went back on their word on what on what was supposed to happen. The town saying that no, 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 the redevelopers went back on their word on what was supposed to happen. So they're now in litigation with each other over a project that was supposed to be handled five years ago when I was covering them. Actually, what is it? It's almost 2022. It's almost been six. It's almost been seven years ago. Okay. That I was covering this in 20. And that's not even, and guys, that's, that's so regular. It's not special. That's why he doesn't remember it because I, right. I, I've covered this, this month, or I should say last month, uh, more than one developer's agreement. And one, and one of them is going into litigation in one town. So nice. this is not, uh, uh, you know, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening business. The only reason we're covering it on our podcast is because it's the NFL. If this was any other business in any other town, like Tuesday, th- yeah, this is this is news. This is just, fact, this is this would be what you would cover at your meeting tonight. For real, this is like that's why I said it the way I did because so many people don't realize that businessmen, as because we always glorify that like it's uh, a con- oh, I'm a businessman. Yeah, they're they're usually trying to just to, to get as many dollars as possible with pay- by paying the least, and they don't care if it hurts the community. In this case, it's the community of St. Louis and the NFL because when you're pissing off the Roonies and the Maras, you're doing a great job. Brett was alluding to Jerry Jones, who is to his credit a he's an historical. American businessman. No one's saying otherwise. Dude knows business, but he is not doing, he's not defending Kroenke because Kroenke's right or not. That's why I just kept using that vague political language of think about all he's done for us. Think about all he's done for us. Want to know why? Because Jerry Jones is one of the most powerful men in the NFL. And he doesn't want too much shit getting rained down on a guy that helped make them them the collective good old boys club six billion right and that's so, insane and the reason why i said well so bro what does you mean st louis is going to get the team well here's oh, the yeah. thing again this litigation settlement is getting so high and so far it seems like the nfl is losing every single term of this litigation the NFL might turn around and say, yo, instead of paying this, why don't we just give you a team? Now, they're not going to get the Rams back, but either maybe, let's, they'll see maybe the Jaguars want to go there. Hold on. Hold on. You want to hear my crazy? You like conspiracy theories, right? <laughs> so, to, to, to flash back on, on the podcast, there was a St. Louis team in the last two years. If you remember, the XFL had the, had the, the Battle Hawks. Why do I bring them up? The NFL likes good poster boys. They like money. They like people that can make money, can talk, and that are likable. Who is more likable than Dwayne The Rock Johnson? And which of these nine-figure people are close to a billion but could probably find a billion to to get up to to start an ownership group? The Rock owns the rights to a St. Louis franchise that had some fanfare in, in, in a stadium. It's not too crazy to think that there will be an LLC and not the maybe not the Battle Hawks, but it might be the Battle Hawks and the XFL. Well, and that and that's where I was going to. They're either they'll move a team like the Jaguars, or maybe even the Bills, because they're also kind of in the same situation where they. I, and I think the Bills are safe with a new era stadium now. 
Yeah, they, yeah, I know they want to keep the Bills in Buffalo. Um, and they and they got and they yeah, they did break ground. They do they did finally finalize a new state. So yeah, so maybe the Jaguars, but I could see expansion. Then the NBA is looking to expand. I, I think it's they, expansion. I don't think it's I don't think it's relocation because we've we've said the Jaguars for so long that I just don't I'm starting to not believe it because the longer we say the Jaguars are gonna move, it seems like the more hardcore their fan base is getting. Like, like, like eventually, which is good, which yeah. is what you want. Oh, which no, what you, yo, not, yo, I do not want to make people in, in the swamps of, of Florida pissed off. I'm well, we're I, from I only made it, I only named the Jaguars because that is a team that we always talk about being. Moving. Oh, yeah, but but I but I but that's what I was getting at, Charles. I, I think the biggest thing is probably expansion. The NFL is all there's more money, right? If we have more teams, that's more money. So, you and, think hypothetically, because I just wanted to play the game of don't be surprised if somehow The Rock is talking about a St. Louis franchise as a spokesperson and he owns like 2% of the team because that's not that crazy of an idea, especially when it comes to brand recognition, licensing, and all that other crap. But if, when it comes to expansion, St. Louis is a possible expansion place. And then you're thinking, where would that second city be to even out the teams? And would it be London? I don't think so. But or would it be Austin or San, San Antonio or Oklahoma City? I'm leaning towards personally Oklahoma City or Tulsa or some type of Oklahoma-based pro football team because it's either that or like Portland. You know what I mean? And I think they're they're more likely to put another team in Oklahoma with St. Louis. Or well, it, I, well, honestly, I think what might happen is. Maybe they go back to Oakland and say, "Yo, can y'all please build us a new stadium? We'll we'll give you a team back in Oakland." I, I could see that too. I don't know, man. I, I feel like that's I feel like that's sacrilegious because like it's like you're the hurt girlfriend. Like, what if the Raiders want to come home one day? You know what I mean? Like, well, you know, the Raiders ain't coming home no time soon. Not with that brand new stadium. That not nice ass. That's a nice stadium, man. And, that's and, what- and again, the Rams aren't going to come back home. So I do like your your the Rock idea. But also Jay Z is sitting there. He's going to get a team. Like he, we're not let's let's be very let's be very smart about like let's just use our common sense. That deal that he made with the NFL and he's trying to make them cool again. He's trying to be like yo man, y'all need some black representation up in here. Who's who's more black than me? I have a black album. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, I got, and I got the blueprint. Okay, so I got the blueprint for you to be successful. But now we got Dr. Dre and Kendrick Lamar performing at the Super Bowl. I never in my Dr. Dre thought, just don't stand there, operate. Like I, I, I never in my lifetime thought that that would happen. Jay Z is going to get a franchise one day. Okay, it's going to happen. Let me and just, so, let me just so, tell you right now, if if it's Jay Z and The Rock owning an NFL team, I'll take back everything I've ever said to you about second favorite teams having two teams because. Oh, I, I know. Like, I know you're, you're. You'll have three teams. It's like I love my Giants, but Jay Z and The Rock. Oh, I can't. If Jay Z and The Rock are one ownership group, I'm just gonna sit there, just like, well, well, well. My well, heart. No, what, what is funny? Well, again, I think I think you can't have an odd number of teams. You're probably, you're gonna need an even number of teams. So I I think The Rock could easily get one. I think Jay Z will get one. Right? If they can only do one team right now, I think it's going to be it's going to go to Jay Z's group. And then if they if they want to do the two for the price of one and get the two teams out of the way, I think I, I like your idea of the rock. Again, it's diversity. It's something because the NFL knows they need a facelift in terms of how they are are viewed upon. Oh, and by the way, I'm glad that's another thing I want to bring up with this. A lot of people are saying that's another reason why they won't 
get uh publicize those uh Washington football team emails and investigations. And that's another reason why people are saying Al Davis is like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, Mark Davis. Sorry, rest in peace, Al. Mark Davis, like, no, no, no. Let's say the ghost of Al Davis did what? <laughs> no, no. That, a lot of people, a lot of people saying that's why Mark Davis keeps saying, no, no, no. Publicize them, make them public. Why did I have to go down and fire one of my best friends and look stupid and lose out on millions of dollars because he still has six years, sixty million dollars worth of money that I owe this guy? Why did I have to do that? But nobody else is losing anything here, including Washington, which was the whole point of the investigation they're not even getting killed yet i'm the one that had to sacrifice go ahead and make them public let's put all of our dirty laundry out here and a lot of people think no they don't want to do that because i'm sure and those six thousand plus worth of emails there's something about this cronky situation in there and because they're in litigation they cannot afford to put that out there Oh yeah, hundred percent. There was I thought you were gonna say something like that. They, they, they are explicitly saying something about a uh, POC owner, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, probably. But then when, oh, but no, then, that, well, yeah, that that too. But I, but I no, I'm but you're you're hundred percent right. There is definitely something related to this in one of those emails. That the only reason it isn't because the public perception would be, oh my god, that's secondary. It will right. literally cost them. A, a millions if not billions in money because of their own stupidity of putting it in writing which mind you almost everything in the last decade has came out because they were emailing each other and it's like why were you talking about Kaepernick on email you know what I mean like little stupid things that are just like because they're old white men that don't understand that's not what you do, which is why you need some fresh new blood. It's like the Senate and in Congress. We can't have people that grew up in the 50s making 2021 legal decisions. This is not it's a different world. And this and, and that's what this is. These are guys that grew up in the 40s and the 50s. That's how old some of these cool people are that are making decisions on 2021 life. And, and we're wondering why they can't get it right. They are, this is a completely new world than what the world that they grew up in. It's just that simple. And they need fresher, newer blood. That's, the, that's, that's really the only difference between them and the NBA. The NBA has just younger owners who get it a little bit more than the NFL. So at least be like, yo, in public, Let's act like we give a damn about black people. Like, like in public, let's at least make it sound like we we care if you punch your wife. Like, it's it, wasn't it wasn't it the Texans owner that said we can't have the inmates running yes. the asylum? And, and didn't the entire even, world no, no, just went. No, no. He didn't even say asylum. He said the he said he said we can't have the inmates running the prison. And I'm like, bro, that's not even how the saying goes, my boy. Yeah, yeah, we remember that. <laughs> so like, last thing before it, we wrap up, what it was. we actually. This is what happens when we when we start zoning out about vaguely things we know how to cover. <laughs> Irony, right? We me and you me and you sound like dorks when we're talking about things we actually love. We start talking about litigation and, and, and how it applies to municipalities, and we're like, oh my god, we know this. Like, <laughs> like, but my, you, my, my years of school paid off. My my years of random jobs at work paid off. You, uh. A couple of years ago already, when we did our top tens, who, who we think our top ten is. I got shit because I put Vic in my top ten all time uh, quarterbacks because we we did a mixture of 
right now, stats, influence, uh, potential, yada, yada, yada. My questionable one in the top 10 was Vic. Your questionable one in the top 10 was Mahomes. Now, to your credit, since that we did that list, he did win a ring. So before before I I, I, I and went to, and went to another Super Bowl. And went to another Super Bowl. So you are not it is, was not a crazy pick based off potential. But as we've seen this year, he is not playing up to that, that same potential. And the entire team, not just Mahomes, just doesn't look like they have that same fire or that aura of invincibility around them. So how do you feel now, a couple of years removed? Do you feel like he's definitely still on the traje- or trajectory to be a top 10 quarterback? Or do you feel like in another five years, he's going to be kind of like uh, join the echelon of, oh, man, remember when they looked like they were going to be a dynasty, like the 2015 Cubs or the 80-whatever Mets? Sorry, I'm not that big in the baseball. Like, but you, But those types of teams that – Looked like they had potential to be a dynasty. Hell, you could even throw the Eagles in there from a couple of years ago. Some people thought that team was built for a couple of seasons and it's blown up already. So do you think that's where the Chiefs are headed? No, I don't. Only because he signed for 10 years. As long as he's their quarterback, they have a chance. And let's put this in perspective, right? This is kind of like when Aaron Rodgers fell off a few years ago, where it's like the numbers he's putting up are great. They're just not super duper human numbers that we're used to. And it's like, oh my God, he's thrown for 3,000 yards already, but he's got 10 interceptions. Oh, the sky is falling. Listen. Yo, we got robbed last night. We picked that shit off. And, and then they called, they pulled that bullshit offsides call, man. No, he was offsides. I saw he was offsides. I'm just being bullshit in the sense of like, we picked him off. Like our which is rookie. ironic, which is ironic because that that's literally what happened to the Chiefs their first year, or else they would have been in three different Super Bowls, and I definitely would have been like sitting on my pick, like yeah, yeah, nah, top ten, got it. <laughs> but this is, but this, but in all seriousness, it's not just Patrick Mahomes. The defense isn't good. The offensive line still isn't good. The wide receiver again drops. Wide receiver, you know, a lot. Of, some of those interceptions are going through guys' hands, popping up in the air and getting interceptions. So it's not all on Patrick Mahomes, and. Patrick Mahomes does seem to have a hero complex when you know your defense can't stop anybody. They're just forcing it because they feel like they got to score every time to win, right? Um, but I'll give him, you know, I'll criticize him too. He hasn't been playing the best either. I I think it's one of those things they we've seen this in sports, especially when the shimmer is off and God has shown to bleed, right? A lot of times people just lose their swagger. Whenever you get to a point where it's like, oh, they're mortal, you know what I mean? Like they're not this unstoppable way. We saw it with Tiger Woods when he came back. It wasn't, you know, health and all that stuff aside, he wasn't immortal anymore. He didn't put fear in other golfers' hearts anymore. And you just saw that change everything. The Chiefs don't scare people anymore. You know what I mean? Like people realize, okay, we can defend them. There is a way. Now, again, they're four and four. It's not like they can't win a game. So again, the sky's not falling here. But at the end of the day, they need to reevaluate who they are as a football team. They got to realize the, the running gun way that they were playing is not going to work you know, every time now. They got to make adjustments. 
They got to run the ball more. They got to throw it in the middle of the field more, not just on the outside. They got to protect the football. A lot of it is just turnovers. You're not going to win a lot of games if you're turning the ball over two, three times a game. That's just not going to happen, especially when your defense doesn't create turnovers. You know what I mean? Like they're, they are a much better team than what their record is showing there are. They're just not playing well right now. And part of that is they lost their mystique. They lost that edge. They lost that swagger. And to be very honest with you, I, I told you this after the Super Bowl, I'm looking at a couple people on that team, and I'm saying, yeah, bro, but you, you are who I thought you were. Because before Patrick Mahomes got there, this is who you were. I'm mm-hmm. looking at a particular tight end. I'm looking at a particular wide receiver. Every year, they made, people forget, this was a playoff team. They had to trade up to get Patrick Mahomes. They were good with Alex Smith. They blamed Alex Smith for them not taking him over the edge. But my thing was like, yo, Travis Kelsey, where are you? I've but still played y'all a couple times in, in the playoffs. You didn't do nothing crazy. Tyreek Hill, where are you? I've seen you guys in the playoffs. You're putting up numbers, but in the playoffs, where are you? When it gets a little bit more physical, where are you? Patrick Mahomes gave him that swag and gave him that confidence to beat their chest and feel like they're invincible. Now that you're starting to see them put a hat on, on these boys a little bit more, get a little physical, not allow them these free reigns to get these deep plays off every time. The, the, you know, teams are saying, yo, we're going to keep at least two safeties back at all times. We're not letting you beat us over the top. We're just not going to let that happen. Now that you're seeing they're playing a lot more zone too. Now the teams are doing that. All this is gone. All, all the yeah, yeah, that's gone. And they're losing their mystique. I'm not saying that they can't get it back, but they got to reevaluate who they are as a football team. They got to toughen up a little bit. And and I think next week, I think it's a perfect time for us to go back and reevaluate who we said were uh, contenders and pretenders and see how that's been shaping out since week four. Because as we all know, four weeks in the NFL changes a lot of different perceptions. And one thing that I'm sticking to my guns on is I, I call the Raiders a contender. And right now it looks like it's their division to lose because you're not telling me the Raiders or Raider nation was watching the Monday night football game against the chiefs and the giants last night. And we're like, Oh man, there's no way we can win this division with the chiefs in it. Raiders fans were looking well, like, Oh, y'all look like, food. I think they will. I think that, well, here's the thing. That Henry Ruggs thing is huge. That's a, you know he's a big part of the football team. Two, uh, I'm also of the mindset I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon of the Vegas Raiders just yet either. They beat the Eagles and they beat who's the other team? The Broncos. Okay, not not neither one of these guys are world beaters. So and the Ravens. No, no, I'm talking about since John Gruden. Oh, okay. Since John Gruden left at two and zero, they had a bye week last week. And they play your Giants on Sunday. So they might win that game, right? Might. Um, so I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, the, the Raiders are such a great team. I got to see it. I got to see it. They, they, beat the Ra- they beat the Ravens. I gave them their problem. That that's still probably one of the best games of, of the year. Oh, it's still my game of the year. Um, they, so, they, you know, they, they're, they're a good football team. I, I got to see what they're going to look like when they play some real competition and, and by the way, this is, and I, I feel bad for them because this is just another distraction, right? And it's not their fault. John Gruden said some stuff 10 years ago and been saying stuff for the last decade that got, that gets him fired. And now your best receiver 
besides Darren Waller, where he's your tight end, but your best actual wide receiver is probably gone for the season now, like with this with his DUI charge. His, so, his career is probably done. Right. So I you know, I, I don't even want to rag on the on the Raiders and say, oh yeah, typical Raiders. Like that that's just stuff you can't control. No, nah, anyone saying typical Raiders or something like that, they're just haters. And you know, that's that is what it is. Um, before we sign out off of here, the only thing I gotta say about uh my Giants for this week, because usually every episode I say something. It's uh like I said last time when we're talking about it's a too early to judge Joe Judge. Penalties kill the Giants again. Mr. I want to be uh, Patriots light penalties killed the Giants again. So what are you doing with this ship? Oh, come on now. Come on now. Since we said that they beaten the Panthers, which okay. And, and they, they could have beat the chiefs. Could have, would have, should have, man. No, but, but, but hold on. To be fair, to be fair, they're playing hard, man. They're playing hard and penalties cost them. Who are the penalties aren't the burden of a coach, usually, especially when your coach is, is doing all that. We're going to play the game right, da, 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 BS all the time. Joe Judge's fault that homeboy j- just jumped offside. It's Joe Judge's fault when it's happening in every game and penalties are an issue. Yeah, that's on Joe Judge. Every game, penalties are an issue. Every game, there's a bad penalty that costs us the game. Every game. But last night, last night, Y'all were winning the penalty battle. It, it was one. Let's be real. It was just one penalty that screwed y'all up. And a dude, and a dude on 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 just who tried to stop himself. He just couldn't. That's not on the coach. And and, and every game, there's there's an illegal man downfield penalty. If that's not coaching, what is it? Yeah, but a lot of those are the, on our our a lot of those are during RPOs though. That happens a lot. We're not yeah. running RPOs like that. I'm just letting you know. Nah. It ain't happening on those plays where you're thinking that might be the play. No, it's just, it's just, I don't know, man. Okay. Well, I want to say one thing real quick since we're talking about your Giants, and I brought up the Eagles, right? I, you know me, I love the draft. I love looking at this stuff and there's a certain situation that to me, I think is fascinating, right? Because it's it's an interesting thing. Both the Eagles and the Giants are probably going to have two top 10 picks this year, right? Both of the Eagles, both of the Eagles and the Giants have at least questions about their quarterback. Now, like you said, Daniel Jones hasn't been the problem this year. I think Philly fans will say Jalen Hurts hasn't been the problem this year. But we still don't know if they're the guy you want moving forward. Mm-hmm. If you have two top ten picks, and I and also grain of salt, this is not considered a great quarterback draft. Is it something you have to at least consider with your second pick? I would never do it on the first. I see some mock drafts having them take a quarterback, like the Eagles taking a quarterback with a third pick overall, or something, the Giants taking a quarterback with a fifth pick overall. I don't think you would ever do that. But with your seventh overall pick, with your 10th overall pick, would you at least consider it, especially if all the quarterbacks are still on the board? If the guy, if the one and two guy on your board for quarterbacks is still there at seven, eight, nine, ten, wherever your second pick lies, do you at least consider it? I would be shocked if the Giants did it. I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles did it. And you know I'm a, a Jalen Hurts fan, so no shade to him. Um, I'd be shocked if the Giants did it because I, I from everything I read, they are attached to to Daniel Jones and to everything to, to me. I'm I'm the one that's been super critical of him. And even I'm saying he's not the problem. So oh, I, actually I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I meant to say too. With the Giants, I think it's interesting because, like we said with the Joe Judge pod, 
you have a new court, you have a new GM and a new coach, right? Mm-hmm. Just depending on what happens. So if they're both sitting there saying like, we're, we're not, cho- we're not tied to Daniel Jones. We want to bring our guy in. You know, that's why, that's why specifically with the job, it's, it's weird. I feel like the Eagles will probably have their coach, their GM and coaching staff still in place for the draft. The Giants might not. So the Giants might be sitting there saying, well, hold on. Daniel Jones isn't our guy. We want to, I don't I, I I I hear what you're saying. I just don't see how any quarterback in this draft would be a new coach's guy when usually when that's the case, it's a Kyler Murray or, or somebody that you see this far out, like hey, somebody's gonna move up to get him, yada yada yada. So there is none of those guys this year. Well, and, I and, think- that's what, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying they're gonna move up. I'm saying if you have two picks in the top 10 with that second pick. Would you at least consider it? Oh no, I'm not saying they move up. I'm saying there's not even that guy to float as trade bait for the teams that would hypothetically move up. I wouldn't go quarterback because unless there's somebody that emerges that becomes the hype, I don't know anybody that would even be the replacement for Daniel Jones because then you're restarting kind of like what the Jets did and you're just going in the motions of, well, now we got to give this guy three years to see what he is. I'm just starting to see what Daniel Jones is. And if, if the team was healthy, Daniel Jones could look better. He hasn't looked that bad. He's looked good in, in plenty of these games. So why am I going to give up on him for a guy that would be another collegiate equivalent of when I drafted him? So that's that, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, if anything, the Giants should go right side of the offensive line and then another offensive lineman in the top 10. Um, I think they're probably going to go – uh, o line and pass rush in the top ten is if I had to guess. I don't think oh, yeah. I don't think oh, unless there's some type of dynamic wide receiver that we're just kind of like oh hell yeah him. I don't I, that that's what how I see us going. Well, no, re- realistically, you'll probably go defense with your number one pick. If you're, if you're, if it's top five, you'll probably go defense. Um, and then with that second top ten pick, you you could go offensive line. That's maybe the smartest thing to do. And the Eagles, probably the same thing. You're going to go defense in the, with that first top five pick. And then with the second pick that's in the bottom five, probably the offensive line or defense or, or maybe even the, wide receiver. The Giants have 11 picks in this draft. Two firsts, a second, two thirds, two fourths. So, and then, you know, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh, and two sevenths. Well, the, the second seventh is from the Panthers. So we have picks. So, like, I don't see a reason to to pick a quarterback in a draft that no one is really in love with any quarterback. That's when you – are you going to really overvalue a, like, Geno Smith-level quarterback? No, it's – it's no, you're right. I, I just think it's fascinating because, like I said, it's not like you're sold on the guy you have either. You know what I mean? And sometimes, and sometimes it's like, well, you know what, maybe it's better to restart. Um, and, and reset the clock. Um, Tell them where they can find you, bro. You can find me at Never for Brett Me, N E V A underscore the number four, B R E T T underscore M E on Instagram and Twitter. And we're at the Dope Blog, all one word on Twitter, at the underscore Dope Blog on Instagram, discussing other people's excellence group on Facebook. I'm at Not the Chuck D on all the socials www.thedope.blog and eventually me and Brett are going to do a tier list for all the under 27 ish quarterbacks in the league 
And yeah. If you're watching this on YouTube, please like, share, and subscribe. And obviously visit us to find all of our co- latest content, man. And discuss other people's excellence. You forgot your own sign off. No, I was, I, was about to, I was about to say that. Damn, relax. And join us next time as we continue to discuss oh. other people's excellence. There you go. There you go. See, I needed to, I needed two top 10 picks to get that done. Yeah, you ain't getting one. I'll, tra- I'll trade you. I might, get a new, I might get a new team like St. Louis, though. So we're good. I'll have three teams. Go Battlehawks. Don't bother me. I'm working.